to I Don't Get It, Edmonton's uh, podcast about contemporary dance. That's exactly what it is. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm Fonda. And we are talking about contemporary dance, specifically some that we saw this week. Yes, this week Edmonton was treated to performance by company Marie Chouinard, which has not been here in quite some time. Okay, so what? Uh, who or, or what is company Marie Chouinard? So uh, Marie Chouinard is one of Canada's coolest and craziest and most interesting contemporary dancers. She's been working for years, of course, out of Montreal, but she's traveled all over the world. She had, um, you know, sort of a very sensational solo career in the 80s, around late 70s, early 80s. It was sort of controversial. There were some sort of um, shocking pieces of art performed, if I'm not mistaken. If there's one way to describe her, she's a, she's a pretty brazen uh, and and just very bold artist. There are lots of stories about how her some of her early solo work had uh, masturbation on stage. Uh, she auctioned herself off for a date one night uh, live. And then there was a, a rather infamous episode where she was banned from the Art Gallery of Ontario for urination during a piece. And I don't know exactly if it was her urinating or someone else or whatever. But, right, right. But it, she, she got kicked there, out of the someone gallery. Someone peed somewhere where they shouldn't have peed. In any case, that was so many years ago. Right. A few more years down the road, she founded company Marie Chouinard. Mm-hmm. And now they are one of Canada's more robust touring companies. They tour the world, uh, bringing her work all over, really. And um, some of her pieces have become quite well known for their sort of iconoclastic weirdness. The Goldberg variations uh, slash body remix was a show that toured maybe maybe in 2004 2005 something sure. like that like a decade ago uh-huh yeah and then there was a there was a film that was made about it it featured dancers using various forms of prostheses and crutches to essentially mechanically enhance their bodies um, and it, it caused a lot of discussion and, and controversy in some ways um, and so yes she became fairly well known right. for and, that. and what we saw uh, this weekend with the show the show the two pieces I guess she her company brought to Edmonton were both relatively new pieces if I'm not mistaken yes, they're both choreographed yes, they're in the most last, recent works yeah a few weeks so so what were they Fonda last few years not last few weeks. years yeah, no. she's, she's good but she's no one's that good if they no did this good. in a few weeks I would just be, we'd would, be like yeah yeah that would be amazing yeah, um, we could we could close down the podcast and be like, well, we've seen it all. What did we see? <laughs> so the two pieces um, in this piece, I guess we'll start with the first one. How about mm-hmm. we start with the first half? Sounds great. First half was called Gymnopedies, and it was um, uh, an ensemble piece that featured um, a lot of duets, a lot of um, sort of like relationships uh, de- being depicted on stage. Sure. And it was all set to um, the music by... Uh, Eric Satie, who was a composer at the um, uh, late 1800s, and it was all just this very actual, like, plinky solo piano music. Right. It's it's both you would recognize it if you heard it. I'm sure it's been used in, in uh, dozens of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like My Dinner with Andre. Ooh, there you go, yeah, um, which I haven't seen and found I got mad at me for. Um, yeah, you did. Um, but also, um, it was being played by the dancers on stage. So mm-hmm. it was a piano on stage as sort of part of the staging, and then periodically one dancer would 
would sort of be there playing either a variation or that that sort of main riff, and mm-hmm. then they would sort of get tagged out by other dancers and go rejoin part of the action or go off stage in preparation for the next part. Yeah, so the music itself is actually three short bits that are only about three minutes long, so they were playing these kind of in loops over and over again. And uh, yeah, I mean, some of the really uh, great and interesting movement that came out of it, one part that I really liked was... Um, there was a duet where uh, there was a very tall female dancer dancing on point um, and then uh, dancing with a male partner. And she was like, like being on point, she was a foot and a half taller than he was. Yeah. Um, and it was really impressive because it was this sort of very sensual tango almost that they mm-hmm. were doing. But also just because she she had such a long body, it was just this sort of like wonderful weirdness about it. Yeah, um, yeah. It was this sort of uh, beautiful muscular. The whole thing was very sexy. This whole, this oh, whole yeah. part mm-hmm. of it was like... See, it was about relationships, but also just mm-hmm. about sex and pleasure and enjoyment. And yeah, there was a lot of like a lot of the scenes. There was a bunch of fabric on stage and stuff, and it kind of it seemed like there was you know some constant bedroom rumpus going on right. all well, the time. A, there was also a ton of nudity, which like a ten-year-old boy in the audience was loving. Oh yeah, he was there, and he knew he was seeing something his parents probably didn't think he'd see tonight, and he was having the best time. <laughs> that kid, and he was vocal too. It was yeah, fantastic. It was big laughs. Yeah. Big laughs. Yeah, which actually kind of roused more laughter in the audience mm-hmm. um, and the par- the piece did use quite a bit of humor as well there were um, parts where dancers were all wearing clown noses um, and doing more um, sort of clown physical theater uh, sort of stuff yeah there was sort of this really interesting arc to it where I'd say the first part was more uh, uh, more in line with the contemporary dance we've seen um, mm-hmm. previously and then uh, halfway through there was like a false ending there was a, <laughs> the curtain came down everyone took a bow thought, oh, it's, you know, maybe a 20-minute piece. That's pretty short. And then it kept going. Yeah. Um, there were more bows. People started showing up in red nose, clown mm-hmm. nose. And then it sort of, the, the piece just kept going. The and dancers sort of, started coming out into the audience and, like, humping on empty chairs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it really sort of deconstructed the, the performance aspect and still sort of hitting those beats of, of where mm-hmm, we're looking mm-hmm. at sensuality and sexuality and pleasure and, and these things. Uh, but increasingly in in uh, non-traditional ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of got a little bit thrown off. You thought, you know, everyone applauds, uh, uh, applauds and the, you kind of think the piece is over, and then it's just really not over, and it kept escalating. And they had some really good um, meta moments where there were dancers that would come out and actually explain part of the movement quality yeah, that so they this, were exploring during the piece. This part of the movement uh, is, called, is called cronk, this sort of movement. I forget they used the word for it. It was like language or... Yeah. Yeah. movement sequence or something like that yeah. explain two of them mm-hmm. and they would sort of be actually explaining parts of the show and sort of and the movements they were using throughout it which then you could be like oh yeah yeah that, that and makes then they sense. would kind of be demonstrating it while also while they were speaking trailing off but the best part was when one was explaining and explaining sort mm-hmm. of in a very almost like academic kind of mm-hmm. way about how they arrived at these certain movement qualities and very very slowly she also just sort of starts reaching um was it her or was it someone else? Someone else came the, on stage with yeah. a red nose and hand and slowly walked over to her as she's as explaining. As she's speaking and, and explaining and then just placed the nose on her and she just like stopped talking right yeah. away and turned clown. Yeah. <laughs> so so how does this factor into to the world of contemporary dance fun where we have a piece that starts in sort of what things we've sort of seen and then mm-hmm. deconstructs and involves an art like clown and sort of starts breaking down some of the, the traditional walls of theater happening on stage and mm-hmm. we know when it ends because of a curtain falls and and some of those things. How does that? How do you think that factors into to dance in the contemporary dance world? Well, I think it kind of makes you shift out of your seat a little bit, um, you mm-hmm. know. And that's 
and that's that's a good thing. That's a trend that's happening in a lot of theater too. Sure. Um, yes. You know, everyone's trying to do something different and and get audiences thinking more about what they're doing and and actually, you know, like being more meta, thinking more reflectively about what do I think about this? I should it be over? Could it mm-hmm. have been over for me at that point? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that an audience will appreciate it, and I also think that having this piece. Um, and, and sort of being such like a jarring thing for the audience is kind of like, we're screwing with you a little bit. Yeah. Um, really set you up for uh, the intensity and sort of like profound coolness of the second piece. Right, which was maybe <laughs> the best dance thing I've seen as part of doing this podcast, maybe, I would say. Mm-hmm. Paul totally dug Henri Michaud movements, which right. was the second piece in the Super show. Super dug it. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, would, how do we start with that? I guess... Um, it's sort of based on a book, right? This book yes. of, of ink uh, drawings. Yeah, so Henri Michaud is a, a poet and painter of, um, I think, also the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, published this book called Movements, and it was right. largely these sort of India ink paintings um, that are supposed to look like abstract bodies in motion. Yes. And so basically what uh, the company did uh, was take each of these paintings and figure out what the movement was. And so they used it almost like a like a dance score. Right. So mm-hmm. there would be there was the screen there was a screen behind the dancers. There was also a white floor um, mm-hmm. sort of laid out um, for them to do this on. And they were all dressed in black like cool spies. Yeah, so they looked um, like little ink blots dancing too, right? I took it as cool spies, but okay, yes, <laughs> yours is probably more accurate to what they were they were looking for. Um, and so it was the projection was sort of like uh, like a notebook open. So on the left side, we would sort of see the accumulation of movements that were happening. And on the right side, we would see the one that was being done in the moment. Mm-hmm. So a shape, this sort of abstract shape, would be projected, and then one dancer or multiple dancers would sort of run into the into the center of the the, the white space and then make that movement yeah. or a different part mm-hmm. of it. They would sort of create that with their bodies. Mm-hmm. It was it was really interesting to see too how they would have in, how they interpreted each one because it wasn't always obvious which line was an arm or you know a part of a face or something yeah um yeah. so how would how would you describe the movement that you saw oh it, i mean it was it was uh as as just like oh a witness the the real nice payoff of this piece was that it was sort of like we would see this this thing projected and that would be a promise to us and then we would immediately see a dancer fulfill that promise mm-hmm. and so yeah it would be we would look at if it looked sort of like two legs and maybe like a huge blot that couldn't possibly be an arm mm-hmm. um the dancer would come out and do that, and then the that blot would turn out to be movement. It would turn out to be yeah, how making, the arm moves. So yeah. it wouldn't just be how they were posing, but it was sort of had an animation to it. It had a fluidity, mm-hmm. if you will, um, to to creating these poses. It wasn't just striking a pose. It was sort of creating them in a in a very three D in a very tangible way. Yeah. All while this this score was playing, this musical score yeah. that was. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I mean this in the best possible way, but sounded like industrial music skipping. Yeah. Like it was just like so it gave it this really uh, maximal quality. The yeah. whole piece sort of felt like uh, balls to the wall. It was very, it was yeah. so relentless. It was very mm-hmm. fast. It was like they were shuffling through these pages one after another, and, and there were you a know, lot. and, and psych- psychologically, yeah, you got that sort of I get it payoff. You would see the drawing or the painting, and then you see the dancer mm-hmm. do it, and you're just like, bang! The the mind just makes this like sort of wonderful connection, and there was no, there was no narrative at all per no. se. You you didn't really care what they were trying to say with it. It was just visually 
very, um, yeah, stunning and constant. And sometimes there would be little surprises, like there would be a pose with a very long arm or something, and a dancer would come out, and they would something would have changed in their costume, and now mm-hmm. they would have sort of like an extra roll of fabric on their arm to sort of to fulfill that that image. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it really felt like a really neat. Um, uh, the the premise was fairly simple. Here's pictures. We're going to interpret those pictures visually. But mm-hmm. I I've, I've never seen something so simple have such an incredibly um, effective payoff. I think as an audience member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like a really rewarding show to watch because you kind of got the well, you got it in every mm-hmm. on every page. Right. But the one thing, so there was also um, uh, within Henri Michaud's book, there is um, a long poem. Yes. Um, and it, it was it was performed in French uh, yes. on stage as well, uh, and. So the poem is is actually published in in uh, the pro the actual program, right. and it it's some very intense words about um, how the body of man moves and, and things. Festival like that. of stains, scale of arms, movements. We jump into nothing, turning efforts, being alone. We are the crowd. What countless number advancers adds, expands, expands, etc. Mm-hmm. It's very long and interesting and, and beautiful and strange. And in French, which I do not speak, mm-hmm. um, sort of just added another. Um, uh, sharp, like a bit of sharpness to the piece. It sort of added this, uh, once we get that premise that's going on, mm-hmm. there's sort of this other element added. It's like, now there's something else I don't understand, but it's yeah. it's still being done just as maximally as everything else. Really? The dance was still happening around it. Yeah, it kind of also felt like you were being let in on a secret a little bit mm-hmm. too, because the dancer who's reciting this pe- the, the poem actually pulls up a bit of the Marley floor and hides underneath it, yeah. like a big sort of, like kind of like a blanket fort. Um, and oh, she's whoa. just, reading this this poem i mean of course for us non-french speakers in the audience we kind of don't don't understand much of what she's saying or you catch a word here and there mm-hmm. but the dance is still going on around her the entire time um in this you know kind of still very relentless and aggressive way right. i think mm-hmm. with both pieces one of the things that emerged to me and maybe this is a trend in and marie schwenard's uh oeuvre or not um but they both felt like they had such density um, and depth to them. Um, uh, that, that sort of there was a, there was so much that we were seeing, but there was also so much more that it sort of led to the creation of this. And that's I think really satisfying to watch art and any sort of performance when mm-hmm. you sense that sort of density to it, mm-hmm. when you know there's so much going on and we're we're being let in here, here, and here in really satisfying ways. Mm-hmm. But you still know it's coming from this whole this what feels like a whole world around it of mm-hmm. information and movement and training and, and work. Yeah, what I found interesting about both pieces was that they. Had had such definitive source material for both of them. Sure, yeah. So the Sati music and Gymnopedes mm-hmm. and then and then this Michaud's book. And they're just these jumping off points and they were still really true to the source material yeah. though. Yeah, um, absolutely. So and I thought I thought that was um I think that that is a great challenge sometimes for uh, dancers. Uh, some of the other really interesting pieces that I know I've seen, like um, Kid Pivot did one on The Tempest. It's when you when you have this like crazy source material that mm-hmm. either is very well known or not so much, um, you still have like this sort of like thing that you can, you know, like stick to. And I think that that's um, sometimes when you don't you don't have a narrative or you don't kind of know like where to go or you're mm-hmm. trying to like put something conceptually on stage to have this good, like very definitive source i think actually it, for these two pieces it made them so strong mm-hmm. uh, in their ideas you didn't need a narrative story per se but you did have that 
Right. Reference. You sense right. that, yeah, you had mm-hmm. that reference point and you sense that density. You sort of had the sense mm-hmm. that there was a world that this was drawing from and coming out of. And we were seeing figures or shapes or whatever it was that was coming out of that. But it was mm-hmm. still, there was so much behind it um, that was rooted in, in a tangible thing. But also it sort of been created into this this really rich, uh, rich uh, visual thing that we were presented with as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, this, the style of this company is so... Uh, I, I want to say it's so Montreal. It, like oh, you have yeah. these, you have these incredible choreographers like uh, Marie Chouinard and Louise Le Cavalier, who they they like to move fast. They're 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 kind of aggressive, mm-hmm. um, passionate. They can they can be like really intimidating to talk to. <laughs> Someone has some experience. Yeah. In that. Yep. Um, but also just like freaking brilliant. And then I think that you know to contrast that, I think that there's you know sort of another more maybe English Canada style that's that's. Uh, uh, kind of more abstract and, and gentle right. and you know you like what you like or whatever but I do yeah, but think this that is a, this is yeah. like a definitive style yeah, this that is, they have. This is art that sort of commands you as an audience. It says mm-hmm. like this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. I am like, so sure of myself right, in right. saying this. Yeah, right yeah. and it's so and in the, in this case it was such an effective demonstration of that that in both mm-hmm. pieces I think everyone who was there was along for the ride the whole way. Yeah um, and it's great to see like a big company of dancers like more seven? than four. Yeah. yeah I think they were nine or okay, ten. Yeah. Um, but yeah they were you know just fantastically moving the entire time. I, I, one thing I really liked about the movements piece was that there is so much open mouth dancing like like really oh, yeah. like like almost mm. like growling faces and they would they would vocalize as yeah, well. Yeah in really um, sort of inhuman ways in the sense yeah. of like it would just sort of be an abstract sound mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were trying to be and now i'm a wolf or whatever yeah um it would just sort of be this this sort of like really human visceral sound that would come out of them as they were making these abstract movements and again it was sort of another another level on this very densely packed piece that yeah. was mm-hmm. um just another thing to be like whoa whoa cool yeah, yeah. And then it was like a whole good like 10 minutes of strobe light <laughs> oh yeah right at the end so um along the borders of the uh of the projection we uh, as the pages fill up they sort of show up on the the borders so we sort of have a sense of when it's about to end when it's almost full and then it does and then there's a blackout and then all of a sudden there's a spotlight that's also a strobe light and the dancers are are not naked but they they at first you think they are they're sort of wearing um like i guess cream colored or skin colored um uh clothing and they're they're just sort of going through these motions again very fast and Mm -hmm. and um, well, well, more shapes are being projected in white now because the screen's black and it's all dark except this spotlight. Yeah. Um, there was sort of, again, sort of like a weird punchy twist to this ending that you think you get it and then there's sort of like another level mm-hmm. yet again. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Like you say, it was just, it was so dense and there was no, there's really no moment where you could sit there and be like, I wonder what that's about because you're just trying to get to the, you're, you're, the next piece is already, or the next movement is already happening. Mm, right. Um, and I, uh, to, just to add to the facial thing again, I think that, the the paintings were so abstract they didn't look like they had faces at all so to actually interpret most of the facial expressions that mm-hmm. were happening as well i thought was um just again another level of movement that um the fa- facial expressions don't often get a lot of attention in contemporary dance sure. so uh, i think that that was something i found really refreshing as well and it did keep you very engaged you know when the their eyes are extra buggy and certain right. ones or extra something like that. buggy <laughs> but also yes they were extra buggy yeah yeah Damn eyes. yeah extra um, buggy open mouth and just like wildly shaking and like kind of like trucking across the stage in this weird posture um right. there are, yeah it was it was 
It was very fun. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I would defy anyone, even who had had no dance experience, not to see that and be be moved or be affected or be um, intrigued at the very least by mm-hmm. everything that was going on. I think it was uh, a lot of abstract ideas that were sort of tackled um, at a very high level of execution. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt a little bit out of breath by the end because yeah. it was so the 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 stakes the level was so high for the yeah. whole time, that, um, and then it just track. like is over. It's like, okay, that was mm-hmm. that was that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was Company Marie Chouinot. Uh Please come back to Edmonton more often. <laughs> oh yeah, not another fifteen years or whatever it's been. Yeah, so. something like that. Um, what do we got coming up uh, in dance, Paul? Oh well, um, next weekend, um, which would be I believe February twenty eighth and March first, um, City Ballet, which is sort of Edmonton's resident ballet company, mm-hmm. is doing uh, is doing a show that I believe is their Mosaic Beat, sort of one of their ongoing series of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happening. What else is happening, Fonda? Uh, yeah, after that, I think, I'm not sure if it's quite the following weekend, but on mm-hmm. March 6th and 7th, yeah. is uh, Sylvain Mar Dance is coming to Edmonton with Ce n'est pas la fin du monde, which means it's not the end of the world. Um, this is a piece uh, with all male dancers um, uh, trying to illustrate why it's not the end of the world. Right. Also being presented like the like the Marie Schwenard company was by Brian Webb Dance. By Brian Webb Dance, yes. yes. And then the week following that is the Expanse Movement Arts Festival, which is March 11th through 15th. And yeah, we're going to be there hanging out in the lobby, um, actually camping. In the Apparently, lobby. we're told. <laughs> um, things will happen. But yeah, that's sort of our, our, our premier uh, uh, dance movement uh, festival in town. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of ton of cool stuff happening. Lots of cool things. Yeah. So that's um that's that's been what we saw last week, everyone. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can follow us on iTunes. I think there's still a few days. If you'd like, you can nominate us for a Yegi. You could. <laughs> you could do that if you wanted. Um, or you can nominate whatever you like for a Yegi. I think the nominations are open until right. the end of February. And yes, uh, also tweet at us at I don't get it dance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Great. Go 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 watch some movement go people. Go watch some dance. Bye-bye. I don't get it as a podcast produced by Poglina, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul. It was recorded in a blanket fort in the Tall House on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta. Our website is idontgetitdance.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sitting here thinking.